right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James, I'm your host, and today is episode 81. 81 episodes. <laughs> wow. If you like what you hear today, make sure you check out some of these other episodes. There's a lot of great ones out there. I'm sure there's something you'll be interested in. And as always, again, if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and tell a friend. It really does help grow the show. And the show has been growing. So I want to thank you all for doing your part to spread the word. It's always very appreciated. So let's dive in. Let's dive into today's episode. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. The pandemic has deprived us of so many things. One item that disappeared quickly from store shelves was diet sun-kissed soda. I felt the world would once again be in a great and stable place when Diet Sunkist finally made its return to the shelves. Now, every week over the past year, I found myself in the grocery store doing my shopping. And every week, I would practice the same ritual. I would casually stroll over to the soda aisle and silently hope that I would be rewarded with a special surprise in seeing Diet Sunkist back on the shelves. Every week, my hopes were dashed. I joked with my wife that if I saw Diet Sunkist back on the shelves, I wouldn't be able to restrain myself in purchasing everything they had in stock. Well, folks, a couple weeks ago, I was cruising through Walmart, quickly pounding out my shopping list when I had the small thought that I should go check the soda aisle. I started walking down the aisle, approaching the distinct orange boxes of sun-kissed orange soda. However, this time was different than all the other times I made this walk. Next to the orange box was a white box. My heart rate picked up as a sun-kissed logo was proudly stamped on the white packaging. Could it be true? <laughs> Is Diet Sunkissed back on shelves? Yes! <laughs> I now had a dilemma. I was only going to be grabbing a few items, so I didn't have a cart, and my arms were already full with the items that I had grabbed, so I didn't have any room to load up on soda. My mind quickly raced toward a solution. Should I just drop all of my items on the floor, grab the soda, and make a run for it? <laughs> no, that would not be very professional. So I needed a cart. With a sigh and a promise to be back for them, I set a new speed walking record to the front of the store to grab a cart. I then set a new record getting back to the soda aisle. Now, when I reached the aisle, I was shocked, and I'll admit my anxiety peaked just a little bit as I saw other people walking up and down the aisle. My heart jumped into my throat. What if they had already grabbed the last few boxes of Sunkist? There were some people standing very close to the Sunkist Zero. Shoot. <laughs> if they spot it, they're for sure going to buy it. I had to play it cool. I couldn't sprint to the soda or they'd cut me off. 
So I pretended like I was going for the Diet Pepsi and the, then did a last-minute course correction to the Sunkist. And true to my promise, I bought all the Sunkist Zero they had on hand. Now, it was only two boxes, but I still bought it all. I then floated to the front of the store, made my purchase, and schemed the whole way home on how I could get these cold the fastest. Now, if you haven't pieced things together yet, in honor of Sunkist Zero finding its way back to store shelves, I'm going to do a deep dive into the history of America's number one orange soda. So, when considering Sunkist orange soda, you have to dive into Sunkist itself as a brand. So, let's do that. To this day, I have fond memories of Sunkist oranges at Christmas time. My mom would buy a big box and keep them in our furnace room in the basement. It was cold enough down there to help them last long enough to finish the box. And many of our Christmas decorations are still stored in old Sunkist orange boxes. So how did the Sunkist growers get their start? Well, in 1893, a man named Edward L. Dreyer formed the Southern California Fruit Exchange, and they're headquartered in Claremont, California. Originally, they only supported growers of oranges. However, in 1896, lemon growers began joining as well. By 1905, this small group of growers had swelled to a co-op of over 5,000 members throughout Southern California. They represented 45% of the entire citrus industry in California. And this is when they rebranded with a new name. Because, you know, the Southern California Fruit Exchange doesn't sound very exciting. They changed it to the California Fruit Growers Exchange, or CFGE. In 1952, they rebranded yet again to Sunkist Growers Incorporated. Now today, Sunkist is a citrus co-op that has 6,000 members from California to Arizona, and in 1991, their sales hit a staggering $956 million. They're the largest fresh produce, produce shipper in the United States, and they have the most diverse citrus portfolio of any citrus growing operation. So the early years of Sunkist, we really have to look at the 1900s. That's when things really started to pick up and change. The California citrus industry had what some would consider a great problem. They were producing far more fruit than what was being consumed. In 1907, CFGE began to be pioneers in marketing a perishable commodity on a large scale. They marketed oranges to Iowans by calling them healthy and summery. The result was a 50% increase in orange sales in the state. 1907 was also the year that they launched the Sunkist brand. The Lord and Thomas ad agency originally wanted to use Sunkist, like K-I-S-S-E-D, I kissed my wife, to describe the oranges, but eventually settled on Sunkist, K-I-S-T. 
their rationale was that it would be easier to defend as a trademark if the campaign actually went somewhere. CFGE took another step to ensure that people could easily identify sun-kissed oranges. They began wrapping each orange in paper that was stamped with the sun-kissed brand. In 1909, CFGE learned that merchants were selling non-sun-kissed oranges as sun-kissed. So in an effort to stop this bad behavior, the company created a new promotion. And this one was brilliant. This one made me truly happy to be an American. <laughs> Their offer was mail us 12 sun-kissed wrappers from our oranges, and we will mail you a sun-kissed branded spoon. Spoon. A spoon that you eat cereal with. People went crazy for this promotion. That year, one million spoons were claimed. <laughs> if I'm doing my math right, that means that they sold at least 12 million oranges that year. And this is brilliant. This is a brilliant campaign. Customers wanted sun-kissed oranges, and as a result, merchants were forced to meet this demand by leaving the oranges in the sun-kissed wrappers so they would be easier to identify. People now associated sun-kissed with quality citrus. A side effect of this promotion was that in 1910, Sunkiss became the largest purchaser of cutlery in the United States. The marketing success of these early campaigns led Sunkiss to advertise even more aggressively. In the following years, you would see ads on streetcars, billboards, radio, pamphlets, magazines, and doctor's offices. Sunkiss wanted consumers to stop viewing the humble orange as a Christmas luxury, and instead as something vital for good health. By 1914, Americans were consuming, on average, 40 oranges per person per year. That was an 80% increase over 1885. Today, Sunkist has licensed its name out to various brands, and over the years, there have been over 600 different products that have licensed the Sunkist trademark. One of those is central to today's topic, Sunkist Orange Soda. In the early 1900s, Sunkist was very successful in convincing Americans that oranges were healthy. Truth is, they are. It was an easy sell. An orange is full of nutrients that would make any of our bodies grateful. And in their quest to find more uses for oranges, Sunkist decided to put the soda industry squarely in their crosshairs. In addition to the marketing of the fruit itself, Sunkist began to aggressively market orange juice and lemonade as healthier alternative to artificial beverages like Coca-Cola. It was an easy sell. Coca-Cola doesn't have anything natural in it. But look at my orange juice. All it has is an orange in it. By the 1930s, one in every five Sunkist oranges was being consumed in juice form. It was often found at soda fountains. In fact, Sunkist juice was the second most popular soda fountain drink after Coca-Cola. The marketing wizards had done it again. And it's important to note that what was being consumed in the early 1900s in these soda fountains was not like the Sunkist orange soda that we have today. Different soda fountains may have added additional ingredients, but for the most part, it was just 
orange juice made with sun-kissed oranges. So how did this highly natural alternative to soda make the leap to the neon orange soft drink we know and love today? To answer that question, we have to look at General Cinema Corporation. Sunkist licensed their name to the General Cinema Corporation for a new soda. At the time, General Cinema was the largest independent Pepsi bottler. They had done extensive market research and discovered that orange-flavored soda was the third most popular soda flavor worldwide, and this was largely due to the Coca-Cola Fanta brand. In 1977 and 1978, the concept was put through a rigorous R&D effort. They researched the perfect taste color and carbonation levels when they were happy that they had perfected the recipe they released to the general public the formula was franchised to leading coca-cola and pepsi bottlers and by 1980 they had become the top orange soda in the united states they also ranked 10th on the list of top 10 sodas in the united states one aspect of sun-kissed orange soda that makes it unique is that it contains caffeine. (laughs) There are 19 milligrams of caffeine in each can. And in 2010, they had to recall a batch of Sunkist after they had accidentally mixed in six times the normal amount of caffeine and people were getting sick as a result. So in 1984, Sunkist Orange Soda made the typical balance of acquisitions that a soda will take. They were acquired by Del Monte before being uh, bounced to Cadbury Schweppes. Today it's produced by the Keurig Dr. Pepper Company. So a couple of fun facts. The Australian version of Sunkissed Orange Soda is actually caffeine-free. And in Canada, they sell a caffeine-free version that is called C+, that actually contains a small portion of real Sunkissed juice. So next time I'm in Canada, I'm going to have to hunt for some of that. Now, Orange soda is, in my opinion, one of the more perfect sodas, particularly from Sunkist. It really is uh, head and shoulders above the other options out there, in my opinion. It truly does have a good blend of taste, carbonation, mouthfeel. I just, I enjoy it. I'm a huge fan. I have fond memories growing up and drinking this soda in my grandma's basement after a day at middle school and hanging out with my cousin down there and, and drinking soda. And I love it. It's fantastic. I'm glad I was able to research this today and, and share a little bit more about this soda with you. That's all I have for today. I hope you learned something about this iconic brand. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe. You can also sign up for our newsletter, read my show notes, find vintage recipes on my website at toastykettle.com. Until next week.